it's for the people here, you know, them to look at it and be like, yeah, that's totally us. And for people, you know, in the lower 48 and the rest of the, the world to be like, oh, okay, that's what Alaskans are really like. You know, they're not ice road truckers and they're not, you know, deadliest catch. One of the things a good news outlet does is it reflects the character of the community it covers back onto its audience. At the same time, it helps define that character for others beyond the community. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Journalist Cody Liska started the Alaska-based culture publication Crude Magazine in October 2013. The magazine has since devolved into two podcasts, Crude Conversations, which uses long-form interviews to examine what it means to be Alaskan, and Lost Anchorage, which investigates the mechanisms of crime and violence in Anchorage, Alaska. Welcome to the podcast, Cody. Thanks for having me, Michael. First of all, how did you get interested in, in journalism? Let me see. I think... If I were to take it all the way back, it would probably be high school. I've always been interested in writing, but my buddy Clayton in high school kind of not necessarily bullied me, but like really pushed me to be in newspaper writing class. And so I think I skipped on it like one semester and then, you know, decided to dive in the next semester. And so after that, I was just like, oh, this is great. And so once I graduated high school, I declared my major as journalism when I started going to the University of Nevada, Reno. Yeah, yeah, that's basically how I got into it. And when I was in college, I, I wrote for the school magazine as well as, you know, all of my journalism academia. Other than that, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then so when I got back to Alaska, I... Uh, I was kind of searching around, you know, trying to find a job here locally and wasn't really able to find one that fit the specific kind of like what I wanted to do. And so I just kind of, I guess, arrogantly decided to create my own. Your own magazine, your own outlet, as it were. Exactly. Yeah. So how long have you been in, in Alaska? I was born and raised here in Alaska, in Anchorage, Alaska. And so, yeah, I went to school in Reno, Nevada for about five years with my my then girlfriend, now my wife. And then, yeah, now now back here in Alaska, kind of still doing the thing, still doing Crude. Why don't you describe Crude Magazine? How would you describe it to people? I think the best way to understand it is that it's it's simply just a culture and lifestyle magazine. And what I wanted to do with every single issue was I wanted it to be a time capsule of a specific culture. For instance, the third issue of Crude is called Arrogant Minds, and that follows the, or maybe rather details the the hip-hop culture in Alaska. You know, so what I did for that was I, I contacted all of these, these people that were there kind of from the ground up, the people that uh, are kind of these pillars in that community, and, and I had, you know, one of them write the foreword, and, you know, others write other pieces that kind of exemplified that culture. And then same thing went with uh, issue four, which was called uh, Legacy. And that one followed the snowboard and skateboard culture of history. In Alaska? Yeah, correct. You know, who's this magazine for? Is it for Alaskans? Is it for people to sort of, you know, tell the story of Alaska to people who may not be native or, or be not be there? It's for both. It's for Alaskans to, as a genuine representation of the things that we do and the lives that we lead. 
rather than kind of reality television, uh, I think is kind of, at least to me and a lot of people I know, is kind of the bane of the Alaskans' existence, you know, it's because it it exploits a lot of a lot of ways of life here. And it gives this false impression about what it actually looks like to live here. And so when I set out to do this, I wanted to give a, a real genuine understanding of the people that live here and the jobs that that we do and the lifestyles that we live. And so in that way, it's for the people here, you know, them to look at it and be like, yeah, that's totally us. And for people, uh, you know, in the lower 48 and in, in the rest of the, the world to be like, oh, okay, that's what Alaskans are really like. You know, they're not ice road truckers and they're not, you know, deadliest catch. I don't know a lot about Alaska. I mean, you know, outside of various newspaper articles, you know, things are, I read in history, um, you know, sort of about the founding of Alaska and uh, its sort of place in, in U.S. history. So how would you describe the culture? I mean, what, what, would, what, what do you think people would be surprised about Alaska? Oh, I think, um, let me see. I think that Alaskan's culture is, is such a moving target. Because, um, you know, in one of my recent podcasts, I was talking to someone, I, I forget which podcast it was, but I was talking or my response to, you know, in the course of the conversation was that Alaska's culture or at least Anchorage's kind of city culture seems to ebb and flow. And by that, I meant that you have these these young kind of upstarts coming in and they're excited to start something and they start something and then that thing goes away. And it eventually kind of, you have this lull and then it has this, uh, you know, this big upstart again. And right now I think we're in a lull. When I first moved back from college in 2011, there was so much stuff going on. You know, there was new restaurants being opened by young people. There were like kind of bars and there was a scene, you know, and then that all kind of recently went away. And in my opinion, it's because of the old guard. There is a very strong old guard here in Alaska that doesn't want to see things. Let's see how to put it without sounding too negative. Because I want to say don't they don't want to see things progress, but I think uh, that it's not like that in their mind. I think that they don't want to see it go beyond what they know. I think that that's a, that's a more appropriate way to put it. Yeah. Um, so one of the things on your website, you describe crude magazine as, as a way for, you know, Alaska to reclaim its identity. What do you mean by that? Going back to the reality television, this whole kind of romanticization, People tend to romanticize Alaska, inside and outside of Alaska, and to give a, a more accurate depiction of what Alaska is, I think, was, was really important. Because I wrote this a while back for an editor's note that I had to write in, in a different publication that I was working for. But I said that there are three steps to being Alaskan. And one is is the romantic phase, right? So you, you come here, say you come to Alaska in June and it's sunny and it's beautiful. It's, it's probably, you know, I've traveled all around the world and, and Alaska honestly is the most beautiful place that I've ever been to in the summertime. And that can really mess with your mind because you think that it's like that all the time. 
it's green, it's lush, it's, you know, the the birds are out, the animal, the, you know, everything is just in bloom and it's beautiful. And then you have phase two, which is kind of this depressive state. And you're like, oh my gosh, like you're kind of facing a little bit of the realities, but you're also kind of mourning the romanticism, like the death of that romanticism. And then three is like when you truly become Alaskan and it's, and it's finding the middle ground and understanding and being comfortable and maybe even finding solace in both of those things put together, you know, the romantic and the reality. You know, I, I find it kind of fascinating. As I said, I, I don't know a lot about Alaska. I've listened to a couple of the podcast episodes. You reached out to us. You said, hey, I'm doing podcasts, local podcasts about sort of the Alaskan, the Alaskan experience, the Alaskan identity. And yeah, I'm really sort of fascinated with this idea that you sort of start a magazine and then it sort of evolves into a podcast. What was sort of the process of that? Why did you decide that this is what you wanted to do? I actually have gotten in so many conversations with my wife and a few friends where I'm like, man, I'm, I'm so stupid that I didn't see, you know, I, I didn't see this coming beforehand. I, I, you know, I wasted my time getting to the point of doing podcasts and, and all that to say that, you know, if, if you read any of my articles or read any of my articles or my interviews, then they're all heavily like block quotes. There are these huge quotes from the people that I'm interviewing. And it's because I, I've always loved how people talk, their cadences and the words that they decide to emphasize. And, and so that's what I've been trying to convey through writing. And so I've been interviewing or I've been recording my interviews for, I mean, I got to be over like 11, 12 years now. And so I've had all of these, all of these interviews recorded and I've transcribed them, you know, and I, I've transcribed them verbatim because I want you know, people reading it, the readers to be like, oh, that's how that person sounds to kind of get this image or this like verbal image in their, in their mind about how this person sounds. And so, you know, the podcast is just like, you know, it's just perfect because you can hear the person's voice. You can hear, like I said, their cadence, the, the words they decide to emphasize. And I think that is so important to that person's identity and who that person is. I was going to say, and that's certainly the, one of the strengths of podcasting is the identification with the, with the individual being interviewed. You get to hear the, the way they express themselves, the way they think, the way they choose their words, you know, how they pause to sort of empathize things, to think about things. You know, there's a lot of impact in that. And I've been in the same place that you, you have been, you know, like recording interviews, using transcripts to sort of help me write my stories. And, you know, part of writing is you, you kind of control that narrative and you present it in a certain way and in the, you know, the, the quotes are like little spices that, that sort of pop up and enhance the story, but there's nothing quite like listening to somebody talk and explain something. You know, I think it's really kind of powerful. That's more important now than ever because the way that, you know, more traditional institutionalized journalism, you had, like you said, the quotes being kind of interspersed to kind of fit the narrative of the journalist, right? Like, so so the journalist is leading you to a certain fact rather than, you know, in a podcast, you have everything in context. I have never been contacted by anybody that's been on the podcast that says, oh, everything I took said was taken out of context. It's like, no, everything that you said was in context, you know? So, so that, that conversation has never happened between me and a guest. And 
um, I guess it, it never happened between me and an interviewee when I was writing, but the, that was always still there, I guess, you know, because you're, you're, you're picking apart what they said in order to make it fit within, you know, your larger narrative because they're just one interviewee. Right. You know, when you're, when you're doing a podcast interview, the best interviews are those, the ones where you don't notice the host or the host host is there, but he's, you know, he or she guiding the, the conversation, you know, knows when to, to step back. I mean, there's some hosts, you know, like Joe Rogan or whatever that you go on, you want to listen to them and, and sort of their take on it. But you know, the, the other thing is, you know, a podcast isn't, you know, we, we, we do these sort of conversational things here, but the, this isn't, you know, you and I don't know each other. We're just having this conversation, but this is something that we sort of set up. This isn't something that's sort of naturally occurring. It is structured in a way like a, like an interview. You know, I've, I have questions I'm going to ask you. We've sort of agreed on the types of stuff that we're going to, going to talk about. I, I'm sort of sharing this as start, sort of to give people an understanding that you listen to podcasts sometime and, it, and it's like, oh, this is so conversational. It seems so natural and everything. But, you know, the good ones are the ones that have a lot of editing that have it put a lot of little pre-production in so that the host is knowledgeable of what, uh, who the person is and, and is guiding the conversation. At least that's what I've, I've found. Exactly. And, and I think that that takes practice. Uh, my wife just got to turn me on to the, uh, the Dax Shepard podcast, which is great. And uh, one thing that he found like pretty early on was that he needs to shut up. You know, he needs to let his his guest talk because that's the point of a guest. Your guest is somebody that you have vetted and that you have come up with questions for and that you sit down and you talk to because you want to hear their perspective. And what was so cool, because I talk about this all the time, you know, I think one of my one of my and it, this pains me to say because I like him so much. One of the worst podcasts that I've ever heard is the Alec Baldwin one because he won't shut up. I love Alec Baldwin, but dude, you got to shut up and let us hear the guest. Whereas with uh, Dax Shepard, he realized early on that, and he listened to his his audience, I'm sure, you know, they said, hey, we want to listen to your guest. We don't want to listen to you all the time. And so I think that, like I said before, it takes practice to be a good host, to be a graceful host. Yes. Yeah, yes, that, 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 that's for sure. I'm, I'm not always as graceful as I should be. Um, but, you know, I, it's funny that you say, Dak Shepard, that, you know, I was just talking to somebody else about podcasts and podcasting. And, uh, you know, that was her favorite podcast that she listens to. And, you know, and that just shows, I mean, it's a, you know, good conversation, a good interview. You know, I'm also a big fan of, you know, Mark Maron's podcast. And he's somebody who, you know, he'll talk a bit, you know, he's a comedian. A comedian who cares about fostering a good conversation tends to be a good podcast host. And what's nice about what he does, you know, he does do a little prep. He's talked about that, but he'll have these conversations and he'll sort of try to relate to the person. They'll, you know, listen and like, yeah, that's really interesting. You know, what do you think that means to this, this other experience that you had in your life? So he's sort of sharing the conversation. I mean, Yes, I think a host needs to shut up, but I think also in part of the you know moving the conversation forward, you have to kind of create for your guest a level of comfort. And sometimes that comes from, you know, you sharing a little bit of yourself. Oh, absolutely. I think that that just plays into being present, present in the conversation and being an active listener. So, you know, we're talking about interviews here. Tell me about some of the the interviews that you've had on the Crude podcast. 
So let's see. So every time someone asks me, you know, like, what's your favorite podcast? I always refer to the the newest one, which I, I know I, I feel like is a lazy answer, but it's it's an honest answer for me because the most recent one, I, you know, I don't really get to re-listen to a lot of the podcasts too often because I'm producing one of these a week, sometimes two a week. So I actually have have my uh, a window open right now to kind of go through them. And so the last episode or the, the most recent episode of Lost Anchorage that came out was with this guy, Aaron Leggett, who is curator of Alaska history at the Anchorage Museum. And he's also the president of the Alaska Native village of Aklutna. And so Aaron kind of, uh, I sit down with Aaron and we talk about colonization and how it has affected the indigenous population in Alaska. Because what was so interesting about how I decided to, let me see how to put this. So in the course of this series, Lost Anchorage, all the people that I've interviewed a number of them have mentioned, have pointed to colonization as a reason for crime in Alaska and crime in Anchorage specifically. And so I was like, okay, let's see, maybe not specifically Anchorage, but Alaska specifically, I mean. So I was like, okay, let's let's see if I can talk to somebody about this. And so when you look at, at crime in Alaska, I don't think that a lot of people take it all the way back to you know, the Russians and the Spanish and the French, you know, coming into Alaska for fur trading or, you know, America coming in or the U.S. coming into Alaska and just totally decimating, you know, the entire Alaskan native population and, you know, enslaving them and just, you know, doing all the horrible stuff that they did. That one was was really interesting to me. And, and I thought that that one was super important. And that, you know, that's the most recent one. In addition to that, I think one of one of the ones that the other one that comes to mind is with this guy Roger Sparks, who is a he's a former uh, retired Marine and pararescue man. So this guy is just I mean full on badass. I had been reading about him for a while and then decided like hey I'd I'd love to talk to this guy. And so me and my friend Whitney were able to drive out to his home in Eagle River, which is about 20, 25 minutes outside Anchorage. And we just sat with him for like two hours and like two, two and a half hours. And just, I mean, he just told us all of, like the craziest stuff about the most surreal, you know, hand to hand fighting in Afghanistan and the Waterper Valley. This operation called Bulldog Bite to Charlie, which he says was a heavy firefight with insurgents in the Waterper Valley in Afghanistan. So he said it was the most surreal experience that he's ever had in his entire life. And the way that he he's explaining all this stuff, you know, you, you feel like you're watching like apocalypse now, you know. It was really special. I mean, I still feel honored to have been in the presence of someone like that, you know, while he's telling a story. I just increasingly feel honored to be able to talk to these people and be around them when they're telling their stories. Yeah, and because of the the medium that you've chosen to tell these stories that your listener can your audience can can experience them and have the opportunity to sort of you know feel like they're part of this conversation uh, that you've had how did you get the interview with him how did you learn of him and how did you sort of set that up so like i said i i'd been reading about him for a while i follow him on instagram 
so I, I had actually hit him up on Instagram and then he got back to me and was like super excited about doing the podcast. And as it turns out, he's just not really a social media person. And so my friend that I said uh, did the interview with me, my friend Whitney, she's a nurse who works with vets, works with veterans. And so she was able to reach out to him and, and had a lot of like mutual friends at like a tattoo shop. And so so he had heard of her. And so we, we were able to kind of like connect that way. And so she set it up and we just, yeah, I just drove out there after work one day and sat there for two and a half hours and listened to a story. So is that kind of typical of how you get your guests? It kind of is. It kind of is. And it kind of isn't. I grew up in the, the snowboard and skateboard culture in Alaska. So I also do a lot of interviews with like snowboarders and skateboarders that are kind of like local legends here in Alaska. And so if if one of them just happens to be in town, like my friend Ben Bogart was here a couple weeks back and I just was like, oh, hey, like I haven't seen you in 10 years. Like how would we do a podcast? And so he just, you know, gave him the location, shows up and we just, you know, start shooting it. Another one. Kate Treefry is one of the few writers on Stranger Things who my friend actually this is this is a weird connection my friend who originally got me in to that newspaper writing class Clayton him and his sister you know went to the same school this like platonic learning oh, what what is it it's like a it's a a special type of school that teaches like you know the teachings of Plato basically so they went to school with her and they both hit me up and they were like, you should interview Kate, you know, try to get a hold of her. And so I randomly found this really slim way to get a hold of her and it worked because she's not on social media. And so that one just like just happened to, you know, happen to work. And and she'd heard of Crude, which was great. And so she was a fan of fan of Crude. I guess to answer your question, it's all different. This guy, David Reamer, he's on this app called Next Door. And he's a public historian. So somebody, my friend Helen was like, oh, hey, you should get a hold of him. He's always writing these great like essays on next door about the history of Anchorage. You should sit down with him. So, you know, there's suggestions like that as well. One of the things I liked about your, like your podcast is that it is locally focused, that you're telling stories about your local community that are kind of revelatory to people who may live outside the area. You say you're doing this every week? Yeah, yes, yes. So tell me about the process for doing it. Well, first of all, let me ask you this. Why did you decide you wanted to do it weekly? Well, it goes back to having done the magazine and how long that takes. And so, you know, me being an editor for the magazine as well as, you know, a writer for the magazine because I, I want to continue writing or wanted to continue writing. So it's a lot of work, you know, finding these people that were a part of these cultures or are a part of these cultures and having them write. And maybe they're not writers, but I value their perspective enough that I want them to be part of the issue and I want them to write. And they want to write. You know, I'm not bullying them into writing. <laughs> so I think that that's probably the most important thing is that's a lot of work, you know, to put together something like the fourth issue, which was the the last issue of Crude, the last physical magazine, which was 208 pages, you know, so it's a, it's a book. And to put that thing together took, you know, over a year and a half to put that together and to edit and to, you know, find art. It was a big undertaking. And so eventually, you know, I was just working on the website because I was like, okay, this will be cheaper and I'll be able to pump out, you know, more 
meaningful content more often. And so writing an article takes a lot of time, you know, especially a well thought out, well researched article that it could take a month, it could take two months, three months, four months. And so, you know, when you're doing something like that, it's just not sustainable, you know, as far as keeping an audience. And so what I found with the podcast is I'm able to produce meaningful content every single week. You know, as long as I vet, you know, interesting and worthwhile people that have something important, meaningful to say, as well as do my own research, which can take anywhere between two to six hours sometimes, you know, depending on the, the one that I was most scared about actually was this guy Cliff Grow, who was one of the guys who helped write the legislation for the Alaska Permanent Fund. And that thing is so confusing and so complex that I was just like, I better come with it. You know, <laughs> I better not come with stupid questions. Now let's go a little bit in the weeds here for people who might be interested in starting their own podcast and, and maybe what it takes, you know, what a workflow is, what, you know, how you physically record and edit a podcast. Yeah. Tell me your process. Let's see. So interview usually lasts an hour to an hour and 10 minutes, I say. Sometimes it goes over, often it goes over, especially more recently. But then as far as post-production, I edit a couple hours before work. I have a I have a part-time job at noon, noon to six. So I wake up with my wife around eight. She has work at nine. So I start working at nine. So nine, 10, 11, uh, 11.30. So about two and a half hours every single morning. I'm able to get the podcast out either on a Wednesday or a Thursday, ideally. Sometimes if I'm sick or if, you know, obviously, you know, there's there's outliers, but generally that's what it is. Are you able to work a few weeks ahead of, ahead of time or are you like right on the schedule that you've got to make these interviews so you can have a, a podcast to put up this week? Sometimes I have I have one or two interviews recorded already and then I'll just be editing. So usually I'll have... Not maybe not usually, but sometimes I'll be two episodes like front loaded. But what I've found is I kind of like, as I've gotten older, I, I like the idea of deadlines and spontaneity. So I like not knowing what the next week's episode is going to be like generally. I like being excited for the next week, you know, rather than being like, all right, next week is this person. And the week following that is this person because I've had them front loaded or whatever. And I, I have done that when I know that I'm going on vacation or something like that. But generally, I, I like to be excited for the next week. So tell me, have you had much response back from your audience? Yeah. So what's been really exciting is, you know how... I mean, if you're a business or if you're, you know, trying to make money out of something, you're always trying to get a certain demographic or, you, you know, you're trying to appeal, I should say, to a certain demographic. And I thought the magazine would appeal to this demographic, which is the like the 18 to 25 year old demographic. And I guess it kind of did. Like, I think they like the idea of it rather than, you know, the reality of it. But the podcast, I, I get comments every single week from, you know, 18 to 25 year old kids, which is like, which is amazing. You know, one thing that was super exciting whenever I talked to like some of the skateboard kids here in town and I ask them, you know, like, you don't mind me asking, like, what's one of your favorite podcasts? And they loved Julie Decker, who is the director of the Anchorage Museum here. And I'm like, no way. That's like my goal. Like that's culture, right? I mean, like the, the Anchorage Museum here 
is like probably the epicenter of culture here. You know, they, I mean, they're, they're amazing. One thing that was actually pretty interesting is they held a, uh, a skateboard exhibit not that long ago. And I was talking to some of the guys and women who helped put on the skate exhibit. And they were like, yeah, dude, like we heard, we heard the episode that you did with Julie. And I was like, no way. That is so, and so, and so in some, you know, maybe like minute way that episode helped influence, you know, this skate exhibit that actually existed there. It's pretty cool. So where would you like to see this podcast go? I would like to be able to just interview anybody. I've been doing this long enough as far as, you know, writing articles or podcasting, now podcasting, I should say. But I don't think it should just stay in Alaska is, I guess, what I'm getting at. I think that interviewing Alaskans is wonderful, but Alaska, as it is, is such a transient state that people are constantly moving in and out of this place, you know, whether it's because of seasonal work or whether it's because, you know, they they wanted to live here for a couple of years and then decided they didn't like it. Or maybe they lived here for 30 years and, you know, they need to move out. You know, this place is so transient that I think that that any story from anybody in the world can be applicable to Alaskans. So I think that it's not necessarily it doesn't need to live here. So I love interviewing Alaskans and I will continue interviewing Alaskans, but I think the odd person not from Alaska here and there, I think would be just as exciting. Have you heard from people outside of uh, Alaska about your podcast besides me? (laughs) I've heard from so many different Alaskans, like former Alaskans, people that used to live here and then no longer live here. And they're so thankful, like, because this helps them keep a connection to their, their home. But as far as people with no connection is that what you're asking yeah you know i I guess not many yeah no i I think i think it's no i i I mean i shouldn't say no because i think that it's it's just not that many because i've heard from a, a lot of people that are like i said you know i interview a lot of skateboarders and snowboarders i've heard from a lot of those people because or not those people but fans of those people because say Ben Bogart is a professional snowboarder. He's gone on to influence, you know, however many people because he's a coach at a snowboard camp, right? As well as he's got video parts and things like that. So I've heard from those people and those people don't necessarily have a connection to Alaska. But as far as, I don't know, I I look at all the podcasts as so individualistic, you know, like those snowboard podcasts are, are, I think, a lot different than something like Roger Sparks, you know, the Marine and Pararescue Men. Okay. So it's not just the string of the podcast. It's more of what the individual episodes or what people are interested in, whatever the particular topic is, whether it's Alaska, whether it's snowboarding or whether it's, it's a former vet. Cody, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for reaching out to me, letting me know about your podcast and how can people find out about your podcast? I understand that you're doing a, um, I think you have a Patreon going, you know, how can people support it? Yeah. Yeah. Patreon. It's just patreon.com slash crude magazine. Basically, that's how it's able to exist, you know, through the patrons. Okay. Well, I realize that, you know, if I sign off here and I don't ask you, where did you come up with this name? Why is it called Crude? People are going to say, why didn't you ask him? Because it's an unusual name for a magazine, I think. So the reason I came up with it, I came up with it in college, I think my junior year or sophomore year in college. And... Crude is our our main export here in Alaska. As in crude oil. 
Yes, yes, sorry, yes. Crude oil is our, our main uh, export here in Alaska. And I think that Alaskans, just by their nature, are very, like, frank and to the point. They can be crude. They can seem brash, you know, at, at first glance or first encounter. And so I think that that is a symptom of just being from kind of like a very inclement land. It kind of gets inside you. And then as far as like the backwards R goes, I, I just, I've always thought that Alaska looks like a backwards R. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Even you know, just, just the outline of the state. <laughs> okay. Cody, thanks for being on the podcast. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.